All right, everyone, welcome to the Above Average Football Fan Podcast for above average football fans and below average football fans who want to learn more about the game, or if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy it. All right, here we are, everyone. Episode one of season two of the Slightly Above Average Football Podcast. We are recording this live right this minute from the University of South Carolina Alumni Center in a partnership with the Columbia Game. Gamecock chapter of the alumni um, associations. And so we are excited to be here. We're going to talk a little football. I've got my good friend, fellow Gamecock alumni, Thomas Bowen here. Thomas, thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. All right. So typically during the season, what we'll be doing is we will be basically giving you a scouting report, a scheme breakdown, uh, a, a little bit of knowledge and learning about football in general as we prepare each week for the South Carolina game, the Clemson game, a game of the week in college football, and a few Clemson, a few NFL games we find interesting with matchups. Um, but today, as we are on site here at the University Center, we are going to stick to the Gamecocks. And what we want you to do is make sure, if you're listening to this right now and you haven't done this already, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and there is all of those things that are uh, optional there. And we also have um, Spotify. So as we are doing this, we will uh, be recording and, and putting this out hopefully tomorrow. We hope to have a video feed to go with this as well on our YouTube channel that we'll be starting up because Thomas is entirely too good looking to just do this on radio. So also just exciting news, uh, according to rss.com, which is our host podcast site, we are the number one podcast for college football in Pakistan. So I feel pretty strong about that. Um, so, you know, that's maybe concerning or it could be a serviceman or woman or someone from Pakistan who just likes football. Either way, thanks for listening, everybody, wherever you are. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at SAA football fan. And that's again at SAA football fan. You can follow the Columbia Gamecock Alumni Association chapter at, at Cola Gamecocks on both those spots as well. And finally, South Carolina, or excuse me, the Slightly Above Average Football Fan has a f- Facebook page, very simple, Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. So with all that out of the way, Thomas, you want to talk, we want to talk a little football. So to give everybody a rundown of how we're going to do this tonight, Thomas and I will start off breaking down scheme, um, what you can expect to see on both sides of the ball. Then we'll look at the positions um, individually. And from there, we will talk schedule and take a little bit of a look at a prediction of what we think we got coming. So Thomas, you're going to start us off, lead us off here with some defensive scheme info about what we can expect this coming season. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Um, really, really looking forward to uh, some changes on the defense this year. Um, all, everything, it looks like we're going back to, uh, and I say back from the the days of Ellis Johnson, where we ran the four-two-five defense. Um, I've always been a huge fan of the four-two-five. Um, I think one of the things that's going to help us out a lot here is it, it's a very attacking defense, more free play, a lot of instincts. Um, you know, the last couple of years, I feel like we've had a lot of talent on defense, but things have been a little bit too convoluted and complicated. This is going to free the guys up, just make it wide open where they can just play on their talent, their instincts alone. Um, from, from a basic standpoint, how this is going to be structured is we've got our four defensive linemen, two linebackers, and your five DBs. The five DBs is kind of where things make it not so much like a traditional 4-3 right. and changing things up a little bit. So you're still going to have your two safeties and your corners. But that, that fifth DB, that nickelback, whereas traditionally in, in a nickel set with five DBs, you're going to have more of a true cornerback on the field. Um, this is going to be, at least if we look back to the Ellis Johnson days, this is more of a more of a hybrid safety linebacker, whereas traditionally you would look at a, at a hybrid, you know, safety cornerback. But um, this, this allows the defense to be a lot more multiple. We can show a lot more looks without tipping our hand, uh, pulling personnel off the field. Um, so we'll use this likely more as a rover, somebody that can put their hand in the dirt, play run support, somebody who's also really good at dropping back into coverage. Um, as far as needs for this defense, you're going to need a big, strong defensive line. Uh, your defensive end and linebackers are going to have to be very quick and reactive. Uh, and finally, on the back end, those DBs are going to be have to really good in coverage, really smart and reactive, which is one of the things that worries me, but we'll get to that later when we get into the personnel groupings. Um, and finally, as far as coverage goes here, 
Uh, we're going to likely see a lot more man coverage here. Um, the defense in a 4-2-5 scheme, traditionally, you're not going to rely on play recognition. There's going to be shorter coverage time, and it reduces stress on that secondary, which will help out a lot of these inexperienced secondary players. Um, but finally, uh, some of the weaknesses here on this are you can be a, very vulnerable to the RPO game or the yeah. play action game. Uh, you've got to create pressure with that front four, mm -hmm. which is one of the things that I think we'll be able to do and we'll get into later when we talk about personnel groupings. Absolutely. And I mean, just to echo some of the things you said, uh, you know, when it comes to the four-two-five, one of the best things about that is you're not always sure as an offense who's coming, who's rushing the passer, who's dropping. You got a lot more freedom there, and you can do a lot of things with that. And I think that's just really, uh, as an offense, former offensive coach and player, when you're not sure who's rushing, that's a problem. And it's going to lead you to second guess. You're going to be concerned. You're not going to sure what's going on. So when that happens, that's good for our defense. Uh, confusion on the offensive line or in the backfield about who's blocking who, who's rushing is really going to help us. Um, and that sort of confusion and potential free runner rushing can help our inexperienced secondary that you mentioned, and we'll talk a little bit more in detail here in a little bit. Um, you know, so I really do like that. I do think we'll see more man coverage. I think um, one of the things I've read about coach that I like is what he likes to do is called a matchup zone. He's not going to just do, um, you know, a drop to a spot. So for those of us who are, you know, kind of learning the game or maybe don't understand what we're talking about right now, when you talk about coverages, when you say man-to-man, -man, that's that's pretty easy to understand. That's your old back, backyard football. You pick a guy, you stick with him. Cover one, you got one deep player. That is your deep safety in case anybody gets passed. Cover two, you got two deep. They split the they split the backfield up or the secondary back up uh, uh, to, to protect there. And your two DBs stay a little short. Cover three, DBs are going to drop. You got one safety, three deep men. Cover four, it's four, two safeties, two, two DBs. They're all going to drop. So – Traditionally or originally what that did was it led to you drop to a landmark. You go straight to that landmark, and no matter if anybody's there, you go there. We've seen this as Gamecock fans. It gets really frustrating. You can watch a guy uh, drop and cover three. He's going to his spot, and you watch somebody go right underneath him on a skinny post or, or a hitch route, and he's it seems he's wide open. The goal of that is to prevent the play over the top, which is the big play that everybody doesn't want. But the way Coach does it is it's more of a match zone. If someone's not in your zone, you're not going to drop all the way to your landmark. You're going to you know you're going to be smarter about that. Coach Nick Saban over at Alabama does similar stuff with his guys, so I really like that. Yeah, and, and one of the things about that that I think will really help in this four-two-five because another weakness, if you're running a traditional zone coverage in your secondary, you're going to have a lot of open space because you've got traditionally essentially a Sam and a Will linebacker there. So that middle can get eaten up, especially by some some mismatches and big tight ends. So more of that kind of pattern matching zone is going to cover up some of those weaknesses, and it will also cover up some of your weaknesses in your secondary if you don't have the athletes to run straight man coverage. I totally agree with you there and so that'll be interesting to watch so over on the offensive side of the ball it's not as easy to get as detailed because we just don't know these answers quite yet because no one's seen this offense what's great about that is no team has film on us they can't look back at last year or the year before and say okay this is what they're going to try and do here this is what they've done in the past because they don't have those answers no one's seen what we're about to do when you look at our offensive staff you've got Coach Shane Beamer, head coach, obviously. His most recent experiences at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley, who took the air raid offense that Mike Leach um, helped to perfect and match it up with a power running game, which we can talk a little bit more when we get into position groups, um, which is just a great mix in my mind. I love it. It makes it very simple on the quarterback. So when we talk about quarterbacks and, and quarterback play in a lot of systems, you have Full field reads where you might have four guys in a route. You start on the left or the right, depending on the formation and the play. And you go literally one, two, three, four. And if you're going to come back, you've got to go all the way back to one. That's very hard to do. Um, then you have a half field read. So you may have um, a route combination on one side of the field that's designed to, to beat a cover two or a cover three. And the other side is to beat man to man. Based on the defense's alignment, they're going to go ahead and look to one side or the other. And then you have what I like to call if-then offenses. And Steve Spurrier, another influence, obviously a big uh, successful coach here at Carolina and at Florida and, and at Duke that Shane Beamer worked underneath. His 
ideas were simply, we know where we're going to go based on the coverage. So whatever coverage you're in, you're in the wrong coverage. We're going to expose you. And so you got all these influences going on that are just huge for Coach Beamer. And that doesn't even mention the influences that Coach Satterfield has. Coach Satterfield has come, he's worked with Matt Rule, uh, obviously last year and at Temple, as, as well as when he was at Baylor and this past season with Joe Brady. And Joe Brady, obviously everybody remembers him at LSU and what they did and set the world on fire, offensive records left and right, national championship, Heisman Trophy for Joe Burrow, and the list goes on and on and on. He is a big if-then coach. He's also a big single coach in the fact that, you know, he's going to try and put you in what we like to call a bind on offense. As as a defensive player, we're going to high-low you. So we got a guy running behind you and in front of you, you don't know what to do. Um, one of my favorite examples of that is I heard had a chance to hear Mark Rick speak when I was coaching high school football at the South Carolina High School Football Coaches Clinic, and he designed, showed a play that he ran with Georgia all the time. They called it, I believe it was called the Broken Arrow, and essentially that Y or tight end, that attached tight end, he's going to run a post if this if they're in cover three or cover one or three, and there's a safety in the middle of the field. If the safety comes up, he's going behind him. If he drops back, he's coming in front of him. No matter what the safety does, he's wrong. If they're in cover two, we're just going to run a good old post, split those safeties, he's open. So one play beats three defenses. And that's just, you can't get any better than that. And and it's great also for when you, especially when you have a a lesser experienced quarterback room Mm -hmm. for the most part, which we have. um, But it, it gives quarterbacks a lot more confidence. They have to read half the field as opposed to the whole field. And it is pretty much, uh, you know where you're going with the ball. Peyton Manning made it a career off of those high-low concepts. Right. So I think it'll be a great thing in the passing game to kind of ease the guys into it. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> and again, Coach Spurrier was so good about it that like I, when we spoke to Perry Worth in our season one episode with him, um, you know, he talked about watching him when he was coaching at the Orlando um, Apollos in that league that Coach was in. And he saw the formation and he saw the defense there and he, he knew exactly what the play was going to be because that was just what you did. And that's how, as a quarterback, you learned. So, you know, to me, the thing is all about let's make it easy on our quarterback. Like you said, we've got some young guys in there. Um, and none of them, no matter if you were a fifth-year senior or whatever the case may be, have played in this offense. And one coach we haven't mentioned, um, there's a lot of great offensive coaches, Coach Eric Kimry. We all know Eric. He played at Carolina. He has the famous fade. He's also was a record-setting high school coach in Hammond. They won so many state championships. I've lost count at this point. He was influenced by the coach he played for, Skip Holtz, and his spread offense, and that we had success with here at Carolina with him and Phil Petty and others. And, again, that offense is all about making it simple. Make it simple. And if the quarterback's not thinking, if anybody's not thinking, you know, it's react, it's react, it's react. If you think you're stuck and if you're, uh, if you're, you know, if you're just reacting, you're moving quick. And that's what we want. So you can expect to see multiple fronts uh, on the offensive side of the ball, obviously. And we'll get into this depth here in a little while. We've got a lot of depth at the tight end position. Of course, we've got a tremendous depth at the running back position and, you know, quarter wide receiver may leave us a little bit concerned at the moment. So you can expect to see, I would say some two tight end fronts, some uh, two, two, two running backs. They may even get creative and go two of our running backs in the backfield, one in the slot as almost like a wing back. I, I love what this offensive staff is capable of because of their innovation, but also their appreciation for the past. And what I've we've seen and heard so far is that they're adaptable. It's not going to be fitting a square peg in a round hole. This is our scheme. You guys got to be able to do it. It's these are our guys, so our scheme should be this. And I think that's just going to be a great to watch, and it's going to help us be successful. Now, before we switch into positions, the one thing I wanted to touch on is you know there's an old saying in leadership and business, and quite honestly, education, and that that saying is that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And one of the things that I have been most impressed with with Coach Beamer so far is the culture he's established. High energy, high enthusiasm. As he said, I think it was last week, uh, a culture and an uh, environment of being real. And players appreciate that. People you work for appreciate that. People you work with appreciate that. And I just think it builds a more cohesive unit. And the game of football, the reason I love it is one superstar isn't enough. One great player isn't enough. You need all 11 out there at one time. And so I think that that's really going to serve us well as we get into the season. Yeah, and I completely agree on on the culture. There there was definitely some need for some culture change. Uh, There's been, you know, quite a bit of turnover here for a while. Um, And I think the staff that he is building or has built 
uh, especially with a lot of young guys that want to prove themselves. Uh, they're very relatable to the talent that they're bringing into the team. Um, so I, I love it. I, I love the staff. I think uh, agree the high energy, very positive, um, and they're super into the community too. Um, it just it, it's it's a stark comparison to the last days of closed door policy right. and the program being shut off from everybody. It's more open, familiar. Right. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. And I totally agree with that. And the other thing is, you know, you've got guys who dreamt of playing and coaching at South Carolina now doing that. Coach Beamer, the head coach, has said this is his dream job. Eric Kimry grew up in Irmo, South Carolina, played at Dutch Fork High School and has been in Columbia ever since. Loves the city of Columbia. Justin Stepp grew up coming to Carolina games. You've got guys who are so excited to be here. It's not a stepping stone or in some cases a last ditch effort. And so that I think just, again, that true real passion to wear Garnet in black is going to come through and it's going to help us in the recruiting and all the things that go along with it. All right, so we're going to switch gears. We're going to take a look at these positions. We're going to start on offense, and we're going to take a look at what we have. Starting at the quarterback room, we've, we've touched on it a little bit. Obviously, um, you know, we've gotten news here recently. Um, first, it looked really bad, and now it's looking a little bit better that Luke Doty, the potential starting quarterback, had a foot injury last week, or over the weekend, I guess it was, in practice. And the original report was, unfortunately, it looked like he was going to be out for the season with a fractured foot. But luckily, it seems that it's not as extensive as they thought after the swelling went down. And he might even be ready for game two. Chicken curse. Yeah, did. Dare we say it. It always happens. And I know fans always say, I mean, what, what are you doing near the quarterback? Don't they have the red jerseys or, in our case, the green jerseys? In, that, in those types of situations, if you're running 11-on-11 11 11 drills and an offensive lineman's pass setting, he's, he's literally – backpedaling for a lack, for a lack of a better term. He doesn't know what's behind him. The quarterback's not sure when he's going to step back and not. So you take a 300 plus pound guy in cleats and let him step on the top of your foot. It's going to hurt and it's going to impact you. Yeah. And, and to Doty's credit, I, I heard an interview with him the other day and they asked him that question, you know, what do you think about the injury? And of course he, he played it perfectly. Hey, right. it's, it's football. These things happen. You got to move on from it. You can't let it pull you down. And I, and I know he's going to bounce back. Um, and hopefully he's back to start the first game. Absolutely. And, and Luke brings a lot of diversity in his game to the quarterback position. He is an athlete. Last year, when under the previous regime, he spent the beginning of that season at wide receiver because he is that athletic. And let's just assume for the sake of argument, Doty's healthy. Where would you grade that if you had to give it a grade? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be an optimist here, and I'm going to go with a, with a B-. minus. Okay. Um, and, and, I, and I will say that that B minus is going to be bolstered by the fact that we're going to have a very strong running game and a solid offensive line to protect him. And I agree with that. And, and just so everybody out here listening, we're not grading individual players. We're just saying as a group, experience level, what we've seen before, what we know and don't know is kind of our confidence level. So I don't want anybody to think we're bagging on anybody. That's not what we do here on this show. That's not who we are. There are shows that do that, but we are not one of them. Um, I, I think that grade is pretty, pretty good. Um, I, you know, because of the uncertainty, uh, I, I, I might go C plus just because I am worried. But as you mentioned, a quarterback's best friend is a great running game. And there's all the reason in the world to believe that's what we're going to have. So with that said, let's switch to the running back position. Unfortunately, here we start with another injury. Uh, Kevin Harris is, you know, hurt and has been hurt most of the preseason and fall camp. I think I read somewhere that he's been out on the field in full pads, going through drills, but nothing 11 on 11. It appears to be a back injury. You know, I don't know yet if he's, uh, you know, fully healthy or what he'll do in game one. Um, but that's obviously not what we wanted. Uh, the returning SEC leading rusher, the SEC leading rusher in the regular season last year on a team that by the end of the year, almost everybody knew we were going to run the ball and he still did great things. That's not something you want, but again, it's part of football. So we also have got um, coming off injury as well. Marshawn Lloyd, our, uh, you know, I guess, is he a redshirt freshman at this point? But I guess with the eligibility rules of last year due to COVID, he may just be a straight up freshman, but he was out all year because of an ACL injury at the preseason last year. He was highly thought of out of Delaware, highly recruited, really explosive, um, just had all the potential in the world and unfortunately went down last preseason. Thomas, what are your thoughts right now on running back? 
Yeah, um, I'm really big on running backs. I, I will say uh, from a grade standpoint, I'm probably going to go with uh, an A- minus here. Um, and a lot of that stems behind those injuries. But uh, I also, uh, of course, we don't want to forget about Zaquandre White either. I mean, you're talking about uh, another rotational back that we used a lot who still averaged 3.7 yards a carry last year. Between him and Kevin Harris is 6.2 average yards a carry. There you go, first down of your pop right there. That's exactly right. Um, but – I would say that, and Marshawn Lloyd has a, a whole ton of hype behind him, and I'm really excited about him, but we haven't seen anything out of him That's right. past high school, essentially. Um, but when you've got the returning leading rusher in the, in the SEC on a team that was not really that good uh, with arguably an even better offensive line this year, I think it bodes very well, and I would honestly really like to see two out of those three backs in the backfield at the same time. And I think we will see that with some 22 personnel. Absolutely. And I think there's going to be um, some chances for that. I think we'll be creative, um, you know, how we set that up. I mentioned earlier about almost like a wing back traditional offense uh, uh, option offense there, maybe in the slot. And that guy could be Zacon. I knew I was going to mess it up. There it is. Zaconjway, right. Keep your, keep your record books up. That's my first one. Um, he is a guy who can do a lot of things on the offensive side in a lot of different places uh, in that slot role in a running back role, you know, giving it to him on a jet sweep. He's, he's your X factor. He is somebody you really got to get excited about um, with that. And, and so that really ought to bring some good, you know, you, you gave it an A minus. I think I, I'm going to agree with you there. A minus A. We, we've got all the talent in the world. Hopefully people are healthy. Hopefully, um, you know, everybody lives up to the hype and, and what we've seen. We know what we have in Kevin Harris when he is healthy. Um, that is going to be something very exciting to watch. And again, switching back to scheme and coaching, I think Coach Satterfield and Coach Beamer and all of the guys in that offensive coach's room have a lot of innovative ways to get these guys the ball. And I think they're smart. You know, I really loved switching all the way back to quarterbacks here. You know, Coach Beamer said at his press conference after their Saturday scrimmage last Saturday that um, he let the world know, yeah, we ran we ran Dak at quarterback a little bit in the scrimmage. And he told him, he said, go ahead and put that down. You uh, Defensive coordinators start getting prepared for that. That's an old cagey coach right there. The more they got to prepare, you got to spend time getting ready for that. And and uh, that takes away from getting ready from other stuff. I love that. I love that our, our we seem to have a three-headed monster at running back that if everybody's healthy, who, who do you prepare for? And again, that's just the unknown for a defensive side of the ball, which as an offensive player, that's what you want. That's what you crave. So good offensive uh, running game there. Speaking of the running game, we can't talk about the running game without my favorite position group, the offensive line. Um, again, solid, good many returners here. Um, right now, my favorite guy on that team right now or that unit is Eric Douglas at, at, at center. Um, I just think he's got a lot of potential. He showed a lot of good things last year, but I think he's just got a, a, a monster potential. Of course, uh Dylan, Dylan Wanham, uh, I think. Hey, I did pretty good that one. Uh, he, he's got a lot of potential. I just, I really like this offensive line. I really like Coach Atkins at, as our offensive line coach with his experience level and what he brings to the table, both in the running game as a coach and as a technician at offensive line. Fans don't always understand. It's not big dudes standing in front of each other, dancing, pushing each other. There is a lot of nuance to this. That three-inch step can be the difference between being a great offensive lineman, playing in the NFL, and just being another big guy. And so we have potential there. Uh, I feel strong about that position group. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think we've got a lot of experience there coming back. Uh, we've got some upperclassmen there, too. I really also like the, the size and the speed and agility. Um, I think we're going to, with our offensive scheme, we're going to be getting guys in space a lot. We're probably going to run a lot of screens, um, getting some of those big linemen out and running down the field. So uh, I'm excited about that group. I think we've got the right personnel fits for that. Absolutely. And I think um, given a grade there, if I'll, I'll lead us on that one, I, I got to give a solid A there, in my opinion. I know people are going to say that's optimistic. I know people are going to say that's that's crazy. But, you know, this offensive line, you know, Carolina's offensive line hasn't always been thought of as, as super strong, but I, I see a big success coming with this group, and especially with a great coach. Um, and, and I just, I really, really believe in what they can do. That is me projecting that number, that grades a little bit high, I'm sure for most people, but I, I think they're not getting the credit they deserve. And I love that about an offensive line because that's always going to make you hungry when you think you're being disrespected. What's your grade there? 
Yeah, your your grade is uh, definitely coming from a former offensive lineman. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with a B minus there, and and a lot of that is because uh, notwithstanding the, the experience and the starters and the starts that they have under their belts, I'm still very much of a what have you done for me lately on the offensive line. Fair. Um, they take a they take a pounding every game, and so sometimes you have to rotate some guys through there and keep them fresh. Mm-hmm. And especially with our quarterback room and with Doty as well, uh, getting more experience, we're going to have to have some protections, particularly on that backside. So. So until I really see it, I'm going to go with a B minus. Okay. That's okay. I understand that, but you're right. Former offensive lineman. I always love the big guys. I always give them the benefit of the doubt. So another group that, that we, we got to feel good about that tight end group, that, that tight end room has got to be super crowded. Nick Muse. Um, and of course, EJ Jenkins coming from St. Francis with uh, Jason Brown, six, seven, just a, a huge guy, but Monster. can move can move and jump and has a lot of wiggle in those hips. That is, that is a guy that I'm so excited to see play on Saturdays in the SEC. I think he is going to really surprise people. I know it's hard to say, hey, a 6'7 guy is going to surprise people, but I think people are going to be shocked by his change of direction and also his leaping ability. I mean, he's already 6'7 to begin with. Um, from what I read, a little bit of, you know, uh, internet research, who knows how true it is. When he was coming out as a senior in high school, he, he was relatively skinny. And he was, I think, around 190 pounds, something like that, which on a huge frame is pretty small. I think a lot of football teams were worried, can we put enough weight on him? So he that's why he ended up at St. Francis, in my opinion. And now I think that's a guy I love. I love guys who, who probably got a little chip on their shoulder that, you know, hey, I got overlooked. Nobody gave me a chance out of high school. I'm going to prove everybody wrong. I'm going to go to the SEC, and I'm going to dominate. And I just love that. I, I think he's going to be really good. We've also got, you know, great depth in that in that tight end room. Um, you've got Kelvin Mullins. You've got Eric Shaw. You've got all of those guys. And I'm, I'm just going to ask you to help me with his first name. Is it Jaham? Jaham? Jaheem. Jaheem. See, you guys, I'm, I'm just not good <laughs> at this. That's number two. Jaheem Bell. He is a Swiss Army knife. He is an H back. Um, he can be used. We saw him use it tailback in the spring game and doing a pretty good job at it. Yeah. And definitely a blocker, definitely a guy you can put in in that trade type motion, moving him, moving the strength of the offense with him. And I again, creativity coaching, I think can really help. That's a, a really good position group. Um, as much as we love the running back room, you gotta love the tight end room. There's uncertainty in the quarterback. There's uncertainty at wide receiver, which we'll get to in a second. But the tight ends, the running backs, and the offensive line, you got to feel pretty good about. So what are your thoughts with that tight end group? Yeah, and I completely agree because it, it, they're they're very versatile because, I mean, of course, we've got Nick Muse, obviously. We're talking a preseason third team, all SC, the second leading receiver from last year. Yep. Um, but – when you when you talk about guys like EJ Jenkins and Jaheim Bell, <clears throat> excuse me, they're so versatile that can Jaheim Bell, you can you can put him out in the flats and just run to the post with him, throw it up and let him get it. Um, great blocking tight end as well. Good run support. I do think we will see with the depth that we have here and the depth in the running back room, I think we will see a lot of that 22 personnel, two tight ends, two running backs, um, and just running it down people's throats. And I do like that, and I think you can get super creative again on that offensive side of the ball. If you have two tight ends out there and you and you motion or shift a guy over, now you got two tight ends, maybe a tight end and a wing offset that that just sets you up if the defense does not adjust to that that can be easy toss play outside zone outside stretch outside power that can really really hurt a defense and so I just I love the fact that we can put them again in an uncertain situation where whatever the defense does they're wrong and that's that's so ideal I know our ride receivers you know, are a concern. We'll talk about them in just a second, but so, so much versatility at other positions, so much versatility. And I really think that's going to be good. Tight end group. Uh, you know, again, obviously you're going to, you're going to get on me here because I gave the offensive line such a high grade. I, I give them a B plus. I give them a good grade. Um, you know, Nick is great. Nick is, uh, um, you know, like you said, preseason all, uh, third team all SEC. We saw him do some good things last year. Want Hopefully he can get very consistent with catching the ball. I know that's got to be something they're working with him on. And EJ uh, Jenkins looks the part and did some great things in the spring. Obviously, we got to see him in the SEC. We got to see him in the SEC defenses. I think he's going to be fantastic, but it's a it's a wait and see. So uh, if it wasn't for that, uh, if we had seen him last year or something along those lines, that group would probably be in the A range as well. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with a B minus on this. And I think, like you said, it is going to take um, people like EJ Jenkins, you know, a game or two to adjust to some of the speed and right. some of the physicality of the SEC. Um, but with his size and his frame, I, I don't think it will take him long. Um, but just some small adjustments there, and um, I think they'll be rolling. Gotcha. All right, and as we said, we, we've we've got the wide receiver group. There are a lot of question marks here. I also think there's there's some talent here that doesn't get the credit they deserve. Um, you've got a lot of guys who have been injured off and on throughout their career, were were thought highly of, or a guy like uh, Dakarion Joiner, who's who you know is quarterback wide receiver, quarterback wide receiver, you know, and and I just feel like Coach Step is going to have these guys in as best the position they can be. They're going to be running good routes, going to know their off their formations, know their adjustments, you know, catching the football, getting open, you know, that's going to be key. Um, you know, it looks like our starters, if you were going to have two wide receiver starters, we could go with three, would probably be Dak Joyner, um, Jalen Brooks, and Josh Van, from what I've read and seen. It, they're shifting around between some of the others that, that may be in the front group. Uh, you know, here's a group that – we don't know about, um, you know, again, at this show, we don't get on individual players, but I don't think we're saying anything that's not true. And we say the quarterback position last year was shaky at best. And so this it's the chicken or the egg. Was it, was it bad, bad quarterback play? Was it guys not getting open? Was it both? And we we've got to wait and see here. This is obviously a question mark and a concern. Um, you know, uh, I'm almost going to give these guys and I'm going to completely cop out here. Um, I'm going to give them an incomplete. I'm not going to give them a grade because we just don't know new offensive system guys who are adjusting. We just don't know. I think to carry on Joyner has all the athleticism in the world to be a great wide receiver. And I think so many of these other guys have speed and talent, but we just haven't seen it yet. I, I would love to believe that it's scheme and better quarterback play, but we just don't know that yet. So we're going to have to find out. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to go with the C-plus here. I, I think, uh, like you said, there's a lot of unknowns. I think this is the year that for, for Dak Joyner that we really want to see it come together. Obviously, he's been kind of moved around a lot, um, but from everything I've been hearing and reading that he's really starting to take some ownership here of the offense. And you're right. He has tremendous upside and so much talent. He's one of those guys that you want to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. So this is the year that he could have a massively breakout year um, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen this year. That's um, right. And so if he has a great year, he can make a lot of the other guys around him look better. So I think he's a big part of that group. And I think when you look at the offense and, and where that success can come in is if these, this group can produce. We, we need them to produce as Gamecock fans. That coaching staff needs that for them to be successful. Um, they got to get open, got to catch the football. And that's going to be vital. I imagine – that if I was a defensive coordinator, particularly the Georgias of the world, when we get into SEC play, I'm I'm lining up daring you to throw the ball. I'm going to go man or I might go single high safety, and I'm going to tell my defense, we don't let these running backs beat us, and maybe we man up on the tight ends, and we just gamble on the backside because they haven't proven to us yet that – that's something we can we can't get away with, and so and when you can start doing that, when you can hit a big play with a wide receiver, and Coach Satterfield has talked about, we are not going to be a dink and dunk offense, or at least that's not what he wants. He wants chunk plays, 10, 12 yard receptions, and if we can do that with that running game, we can surprise a lot of people. But it's all a wait and see. It, you know, it, we have to believe that they're going to put these guys in the best position that they can show us, but we don't know which one we're going to, which group we might see. But I know Coach Stepp's going to get him right. I think I may have called him Justin earlier. He's got a brother. Josh is our is our coach. I apologize, Coach Stepp. Um, but that is uh, that is Josh Stepp, who's going to be coaching our, our wide receivers. So our offense, as we talked about, is a mystery on what we're going to actually run. Mixed bag, you know, shaky a little bit of just wait and see at quarterback, particularly with an injury. Running back, we believe we have a great running back room. Injuries are also a concern there. Offensive line, I feel great about, but of course, I always feel great about the offensive line. And then tight ends, we feel pretty strongly about, and our um, wide receivers, a little bit shaky. Um, so we'll have to see there. Let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball. Thomas, tell us a little bit about our – we can start off with our DB group. Yeah, so um, DBs here, again, talking about the four-two-five that we're most likely going to be seeing here from um, Coach White is uh, you've got to have a good, strong, reactive secondary. Uh, for me, 
Uh, I'll just cut straight to it. This is probably our biggest question mark on defense with the DBs. Um, I think we could see a, a little bit of a revolving door here. Um, again, we're, we're looking at, you know, probably two corners, two safeties, and then that hybrid spur, I believe, as Ellis Johnson called it. So we're going to call it a spur for now. Um, but we're, we're most likely looking at, again, it could be a revolving door. Uh, as far as corner goes, Cam Smith, maybe. Mm -hmm. Marcella Style, who's another Georgia military transfer who we've got. Uh, we've got a lot of people from the transfer portal. Um, safety, we're looking at guys that we've seen a long time but have had uh, some injury problems. R.J. Roderick, Jalen Dickerson. Um, but the biggest thing for me is uh, is that spur position and, and who we're going to play there. And I think most likely, at least based on the personnel we have now and health and everything, uh, I'm looking at probably a Jamar Brown in that position. Um, you know, this is a guy who's a redshirt sophomore. He, he's played Sam linebacker, Will linebacker. We've seen some of safety. He was injured most of last year, so we didn't get a whole lot out of him last year. But um, if I remember correctly, even last year before the injuries, he was projected to be more of, of a dime linebacker, kind of that rover right. hybrid position. Um, so I could definitely see him being that that spur in the four two five. 2 um, I, I believe Jamar Brown is also the one that uh, – He's. Uh, I heard in an interview recently that he said he said no one will figure this defense out. I did. I think that was him, and I love that. Um, you know, again, it goes down to who's rushing, who's dropping, what coverage are we in? You have so much flexibility in this, as you mentioned earlier. And again, as much as I talked about on defense, them not knowing what the offensive for Carolina is going to be doing as a defense when an offense doesn't know. I mean, the biggest thing you got to block. You got to figure out if we keep six in, do we have, are we blocking six? Or are we blocking seven? And that's going to be a big key. And I mean, I remember back in the day going all the way back to Charlie Strong and his three, three, five. And that was one of the things that really got people, um, you know, Rashawn Faison, they, they came in and he, he's, you know, now I believe in the hall of fame for South Carolina athletics because he could have dropped, he could have rushed. He was one of my favorite players, a little undersized, tough as nails, and you just don't know. And as, as an offense, that is a bad thing. You know, you want to look across as a quarterback or an offensive coordinator and say, okay, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing this. It, when, when you got a guy that you're just like, we, we don't know what he's going to do here, that's a negative because that can really hurt you. Obviously, some concerns, you know, you mentioned Cam Smith. Hopefully he gets healthy soon. He's another injury concern right now. Um, had, you know, had heard great things out of fall camp with him. And, uh, you know, Dial has been really, really uh, well received and seems to be learning the offense. So our secondary, you know, uh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I, I hate it, but, you know, we got to go. We, this is a definite more than a wait and see. This is a concern right now. Uh, for me, it's it's I hate to say it at that D, D plus uh, level, not because of talent, not because of anything against these guys. We just don't know. And we haven't seen great things. Again, you mentioned it, our previous scheme. We heard a lot lately about how complicated it was, how complex it was. I know when Coach Johnson was here, he talked about how he simplified things in his secondary uh, days here at Carolina to make it, again, more reaction, less thinking. And if you're, if you're thinking, you're not moving, and that's a bad thing in football, and especially in the secondary. So hopefully um, we can see some improvement here, but it's, it's definitely a concern um, at, the, at the DB spot. Uh, what would you, I don't know. I can't remember. Did you grade us there? No, because I don't think I can. Right. Uh, again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a wait and see. That's right. So we got an incomplete from you. I get it. All right. Linebackers. Let's talk about what we got coming out in the linebacker position. Yeah. So linebackers, obviously uh, a, a big loss in losing Ernest Jones from last year. That, that was our leading tackler on the team. Um, had, I feel like that guy played here for eight or nine years. Yep. Um, he's just been here forever. Um, so huge loss there. But we've still got some good experience there. Um with, with our two linebackers, Sam and Will, I think we're, we're probably looking at like a Sherrod Green, who's a senior, plenty of experience there. He's had some injury problems as well. Uh, Mo Kaba, who's a sophomore as well. Um, but there, there's, some, there's some sleepers in there as well. Um, and I, I don't want to forget about the Georgia State transfer. Uh, and I may mess this name up, but uh, we're going to go with Jordan Strachan, okay. I believe. Okay. Um, this is a guy who led FBS in sacks last year with 10 and a half. I mean, our entire defense only had 14 sacks last year. Right. 
uh, pretty much dead last. Uh, so I, I think he could bring a lot to it. Uh, as as we lead the DBs and get more into the linebackers in that front seven, I start to feel better about the yeah. defense. Um, so there's 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 not a whole lot to say about that group other than we've got experience there, we've got speed there, which is what we need in the four two five. And I think a lot of the stresses are going to be taken off of them uh, because in in White's four two five scheme, he likes for the DBs and the secondary to call the, call the checks at the line. Absolutely. So it can just free up our linebackers to play with instinct and talent, which I think will do world for them. Absolutely. I agree with you. And, you know, I'm not even going to attempt to correct Jordan's name because I obviously don't have any room to stand there. But I, I think I read um, in different places that he's put on a lot of, of, of size, which brings us to Coach Luke Day's strength and conditioning program. We've heard rave reviews. Um, if you've if you've been paying attention, um, uh, that they they we've had a lot of size, we see a lot of body change, a lot of movement. I really am excited about that. I think he's going to be a great linebacker in that spot. You know, um, you mentioned Ernest Jones, and like you said, he he uh, he looked felt like one of those guys who felt like played forever for us. Um, and he always f- seemed to make a tackle. Big number fifty three was underneath the the pile almost all the time, and so that is tough to replace. Um, but I, I, I'm like you, I feel good about the uh, front seven a little bit more than the, than the back. And so, uh, you know, I can give a decent grade here. You know, if you think of C as average, you know, I go C plus, um, but leaning, leaning, leaning towards, you know, C plus plus Um, again, it's a scheme thing. Do we, you know, I I do agree with you from what I've read of coaches uh, defensive scheme, you know, they're going to get to run around, make plays, not think as much. Um, And I say that a lot, but you'd be surprised. It really, really helps. And uh, so I think that's going to be good. Um, what, what, what would you grade them there? Uh, I think that's fair with, with a C plus, maybe C plus plus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really a lot of it is going to depend on uh, on this next group we're getting to the defensive line, which I'm really high on. I agree with you. I agree with you. So let's go ahead and make that transition to talk about our defensive line. Um, Thomas, go ahead and take us down that road. Yeah. So but I think without question, defensive line is our deepest position group on defense. There's a lot of talent across the board here. Um, I've, you know, people always say defense wins championships, but I think defensive lines win championships. If you look back at at, at the the glory days of of Gamecock football, mm-hmm. if you will, we always had fantastic defensive lines. Absolutely. We had great defenses, but they were anchored by unbelievable defensive lines. Um, so the talent across the board here, I mean, starting with uh, JJ Enigbare, I mean, this is a guy who's who's getting some first, second round love in, in mock drafts. Six sacks last year. He had almost half of our entire team sacks. Exactly. Um, but so with him on him on one side, and then we're probably looking at Zach Pickens on the other, who's, who's, you know, we've got a five-star recruit. He's a junior now fifth on the team with 35 Mm -hmm. tackles last year. Mm -hmm. Um, can't forget about Aaron Sterling either. I mean, there's just so much talent there, especially when you start working in Jordan Birch, Javari Ellis, who he's a senior as well. Uh, there's just, they're loaded with talent across the board there. And I think one of the things I like about them is, uh, they've got the size and they've got the speed and agility to run this defense. They can get out in space. Uh, some of those guys, if we need to drop them back a little bit in sort of a hybrid 3-4, 3-3-5, we can do that with the personnel that we have. Um, so, I mean, with our with our defensive line, when you take in defensive ends as well as the interior guys, I'm going with a, I'm going with a B-plus here. I think that's a strong grade, and I'm, I'm right there with you, B-plus. Um, they have a lot of potential, a lot of talent. I think it was Zach Pickens who said in an interview that I, I saw or read somewhere that a lot of times as a defensive uh, lineman last year, he was asked to do what's called hold the, def- the offensive line down. Essentially, as a defensive lineman, your job is to occupy the blocker to make to let linebackers go make plays. And that's not a bad scheme, except when you have really talented defensive linemen. And, you know, we can't go back to the days of letting them run crazy like they're at there at the end of Coach Spurrier's regime where we had uh, some coaches who like to get a little bit crazier with their their technique. But you got to have fundamentals. You got to have, um, you know, boundaries on what we're asking them to do. But I agree with that B plus. Uh, I think there could be a lot of potential here. Um, so that that's really going to be exciting. All right, so we're going to take uh, a look at our schedule very quickly. Um, as we're doing that, if anybody uh, z- joining us on Zoom wants to post a question, feel free to go ahead and do that. So that'll be how we'll wrap up um, our show today. So Thomas, this is what we're going to do. We'll go game by game, and we're just going to say win, push, concern. I don't ever like to just say loss. I'm too much of a football coach to say loss because you always got a chance. You strap it on, you go play, you always got a chance. And so I'm not going to say that. So it's going to be win, loss, 
concern. Um, obviously, starting off with East Eastern Illinois uh, at home. What What are your thoughts there? I think I think I'm thinking win here. Yeah, if it's not a win, we've we've got some concern. Absolutely, this needs to be pretty comfortable. No, all 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 due respect, to Eastern Illinois. Absolutely, all due respect to those guys. They're playing football too. They're going to come out of that tunnel fired up, and they're going to be ready to play. But it it should be a win for the Gamecocks there. Um, at East Carolina, the tough to, to be going to Greenville, North Carolina. Yeah. Weird. So, oh, oh, Thomas is not holding back. He is ready. We've had some concerns uh, from fans on, on this one. I, I'm going to win here as well. Uh, you know, I, again, we this is a game we got to win. Um, it, it's something you got to come up with. So, again, now we're getting into SEC. We're getting into big-time play. Um, we're going to Athens which is just a great town, by the way, fun place to go unless you're going for a football game and you're a visiting fan. Um, This is a concern. Uh, This is a concern. They are thought of as a potential playoff team. Um, uh, Last season when I was doing a preview uh, episode with uh, a co-host from another podcast, I actually, and then don't throw anything at me, anybody here at the USC um, Alumni Center, I actually predicted them to win the East. Um, I I, I drank the Kool-Aid. And so I, I, I think they're a very good team. It's a concern. Um, we'll find out a lot about them week one against Clemson, as we will about Clemson. But I think that's something we have to keep in mind. So, Thomas, what, what are your thoughts here with UGA? Yeah, you say concern, and uh, I, just, uh, I just don't see any way we, we match up on this one. I, I think this is a loss. Yeah, I, I think this is a tough one. Um, you're, you really don't – it's a tough game. Um, but – as a coach, as a player, I really do always have the mentality of, hey, we're going to play. We got a chance. Let's see what happens. I guess it was, what, two, three years ago when we upset them in, uh, in, in Athens. But same kind of situation, highly thought of team. So who knows what can happen. We come home for Kentucky, uh, you know, a team that has really been a thorn in the side of Gamecock fans. Um, I, I should probably, and because of past history and whatnot, maybe go concerned. But I'm going to go push. My brain won't let me do concern. Um, I'm going to go push. What are you going here? Uh, I'm going to go with win. And part of that is, is I hate Kentucky. <laughs> fair, fair. And, and, and it's just because of everything that's happened in the last few years. They got a chip on the shoulders. We're, we're winning. We're, we're winning that game. Listen, I'm, I'm here for it. I hope that happens. Uh, so we get um, another home game that next week against Troy. No disrespect to Troy. Um, I, I think they have a very good coach, by the way, down in Troy. They've got some good stuff going on down there. But I do think the Gamecocks win this one. Um, but uh, that should be a win at home. Another win. Another win. All right. So go on the road to Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, you know, early in you and I's lifetime as, as Gamecock fans, it was very difficult. We, we very rarely beat Tennessee or, or sometimes, unfortunately, weren't much into the game. However, since Coach Spurrier came along and, and, and really revitalized and, and, and improved our program, we've had a back and forth with them. Um, we had some, some tough losses for sure. And I, I'm going to go win here. They are in a rebuild. And, and you could obviously make the, the, the statement we are as well. But I, I think we are more talented. Um, I think Coach Heupel's got a lot of good things that he can bring to, to Knoxville, but I think where they are compared to we are, I call that a win. I know that if there's any Tennessee Vol fans listening, which I kind of doubt, uh, they may not like that, but I think I think we're a win there. Yeah, um, I, I'm probably going to go with win there too. Um, I think, I mean, let's be honest, Pruitt didn't leave a whole lot in the cupboard right. for Heupel, uh, so right. I think they're in arguably a bit of a more of a rebuild than we are, so – Whatever, I'll go with the win. That sounds that sounds right. All right, Vander, come home for Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's uh, got a new head coach in a major rebuild. Um, you know they they are re re rebuilding, and this you know Vandy is is really trying here. I think they do have a very good football coach coming in to Nashville, but I, I think this is a win for the Gamecocks. It's definitely a win. I mean, uh, Vanderbilt's going to have to get creative uh, to, to really compete on a day-in, day-out basis in the East. Yeah, they, they, they got, they got a, a tough road to hold there. Well, then we go on the road to Texas A&M. This is where it goes. Yeah, south. this is the, the, the schedule gets pretty tough from here on out. And, uh, you know, going to A&M, uh, since they come to, come to the SEC, they have, they have had our number. Um, you know, Kellen Mon is obviously up in Minnesota now playing for the Vikings, but they've got some good players there. Um, I, that's a concern for me. I, I don't, I don't see 
you got to play good football. You got to get the ball to bounce your way, as uh, Coach Spurrier liked to say sometimes after some big wins for us. God's going to have a shine on the Gamecocks that day if we're going to pull it off. But, uh, you know, again, my, my football brain won't let me say loss, but I, I definitely think it's a concern. Yeah, I think that's a concern too. And 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 the re- reason I said that earlier is because if, you know, assuming assuming we take care of Eastern Illinois, ECU, Troy, and then we just take two between that Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Vandy, then we could be coming – Five and two out of there, and then we could be looking really good, but we just hit murderers row yeah, on the it, schedule there. It gets pretty tough next. Uh, so come home. That's great. We're coming home. But we are met by the Florida Gators. Um, you know, they they have had a lot of success. Um, they are uh, under Coach Mullen. Um, of course, they've got a new, new quarterback who's been playing for them, but new style of quarterback, not a traditional pass passing drop back quarterback actually what coach Mullen really got famous for at when he was the offensive coordinator at Florida with of course Tim Tebow you know and what he was able to do so uh, another concern Florida's tough Florida's a good uh, obviously the number one contender to Georgia for the east and uh, I think that is going to be a tough game again going to have to play really well you know get a break here or there uh, stay, play mistake-free football, low penalties, no turnovers to have a chance. That's definitely a concern for sure. Absolutely. All right, then we go on the road to Missouri, uh, the Columbia Cup. Um, it's been some fun games in this game, um, you know, that we've seen. We saw Connor Shaw come off the bench when he was coming off an injury and help lead us to a, a return win there. Um, you know, you've got they, – they really have started going pretty in a good new direction there. I'm going to go push here, not concern, but push. And I think we, we, we could pull off this win. This is a tough one, but if we're going to get an SEC win on the road, it, it's going to need to be the Missouri game because we're going to Athens and then we're going to UT. Obviously a little bit good chance there in my opinion, but obviously Texas A&M not so much. So if we can pick up on the road against, against Tennessee and against Missouri, we've had a good season. Yeah, and I think uh, I'm going to go with win on Missouri because I think we, we have to. I think yep. if we want to go bowling, I think realistically this could be our last chance to get the six wins is beating Missouri. Absolutely. Um, so we come home. Auburn, um, one of our two wins last season, um, you know, an upset win to say the least. Um, you know, it caused some change of, uh, of coaching over there. Um, so I, I think Auburn's got a lot of talent. Um, but I do think that change in regime and the way that process went and, and how they ended up with the coaching staff they had, to me, seems to not lend itself to instant success. I could be wrong. I just And again, I'm not following closely the Auburn message boards or, or, or daily practice reports or anything like that right now. But it's just helter-skelter is my opinion there. Uh, again, all that being said, at best, it's a push. It's probably a concern, but but uh, you know we beat them last year. We'll, we'll have to see. This is this is the point of the year where injuries are going to play a big factor. Um, who's healthiest? Who's doing well? And by this point, there are no secrets. There are no. They haven't seen this offensive play yet or this defensive blitz package yet. Most of the time, it, you are what you are, and we're going to see what we can do there. Yeah, I think I think Auburn is a concern. I will say that probably the biggest benefit to this game is that it is so late in the season and we'll see what they've got by then. Injuries will shake out and kind of what they're going to be running because I think they're a bit of a mixed bag too. Absolutely, I agree with that. All right, um, home against the Clemson Tigers. Um, unfortunately for Gamecocks, that is, that has not mattered a whole lot where we play them um, unless you're the team – that is uh, coming out of Tuscaloosa. You have not had a whole lot of success. Uh, you know, Alabama have obviously beaten them there. And, and they've had, of course, Ohio State got some revenge last year in the playoffs. I know their fans enjoyed that. Um, of course, new quarterback and DJ is his, his first name or what he goes by. We all know I can't pronounce last names. Want to give it a shot? I don't. Uwe Ungalele. Uwe Ungalele. Yes. Man, that, that came is, from the, the biggest Clemson fan I know, so I trust it. Uh, Dave, there you go. There you go. You know Clemson fans? Yeah, that's, sadly. Yeah, that's tough. Um, so, great potential there at quarterback position. You're, you're replacing a number one overall draft pick in Trevor Lawrence. That is a, a tough deal, but got a lot of talent around him. 
defense has a lot of to replace. Obviously, Clemson's been recruiting well. This is a concern. Uh, you're going to have to play very, very well. Um, if if there was any game, unfortunately, as a Gamecock, it's hard to say this. If there was any game on our schedule that I, I would say, mm, this is a tough one, it's that one. Yeah, I mean, we, we would have to play flawless football, uh, and things would still have to bounce our way a little bit. Uh, they're, they're just they're, – they're, they're too talented. They're too deep. Um, and I'm just glad that college football is cyclical and – Things will come back around one day. That's right. What goes around comes around, and we'll get our chance. Um, So, you know, that is what we have for today. Fans, if uh, anybody who is listening to us on Zoom right now, you can ask us a question if you'd like. Oh, hey, here we go. A few questions. Who ends the season as the fan favorite going into 2022? So I guess we're talking about, uh, you know, players, who's going to be the guy we're all excited about for the next season. Um. To me, Thomas, I think ideally that person would be Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, if if Marshawn Lloyd is that guy, that's huge. Completely agree. If if, if he is that guy, uh, it, it means a whole lot for our offensive production, um, and I think things would look very bright for the future. Absolutely, absolutely. If that is the guy, that's good. That's a that's a great sign for us. Um, so I, that would be who I would like to see. Uh, we got a block C or script on the helmet question here. I'm a traditionalist. Give me the block C. To be honest with you, and I'm going to, you all have to rope me in because I'm going to get on a soapbox here. I want to go back to the George Rogers helmet, the giant block C, the garnet face mask. We, we had a Heisman Trophy winner. Why we ever went away from that helmet, I do not know. Sorry to all of the, the garnet helmet with the white circle. That's the helmet I grew up with. I like it, but I love the helmet with George Rogers era. And I'll be honest with you why we're not wearing those jerseys, the old Texas look right now. And again, it's very basic, but it looks good. I'll get on a soapbox. I'm going to stop myself, but block C. Yeah, I go with block C too, but you, you know what? I mean, kids, kids don't want that traditional stuff anymore. They don't want those old Texas right. uniforms. So we got, we got to have the cool new stuff. Uh, uh, that's fair. That's why I like some good alt uniforms. I like it. I like it. Nick Saban did say the other day, we have two jerseys at Alabama, red at home, white on the road. And that's all we worry about. So, uh, I mean, Hey, it's been working. All right. So, Ooh, Thomas, tell me how to say his last name again. Jordan. We're going with Stray Chan. Stray Chan. Uh, sacks on the season, over under five and a half. Came out last year and had 10 and a half when he was at Georgia or excuse me, Georgia State. Different, different league, all of those things. But I, I'm going to go over. I think he could pull, you know, that five and a half. That means if he gets six, he's over. And I think he could do that. I'm going to go with under strictly because I think we're going to have so many other productive front guys that are sure. going to be getting sacks. Now, granted, somebody like Enigbare is probably going to get a lot of double teams, which could open some things up. So right. he certainly could go over. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. If you were going to describe the difference in what Gamecock fans will see this year compared to last year in one word, what would it be? Um, well, I, I certainly would love for that word to be winning. Um, but I would say passion is going to be the word I'm going to use. Uh, you know, towards the end of the year last year, of course, there was very strange times for the entire world with COVID-19 going on. Um, we we looked deflated. We looked beat. And that's hard. I get it. When you're when you're coming into a season, you got two wins. It's tough to be fired up every game as that happens. But I, I want to see passion. I want to see fire. So I'm going to go with passion. I'm going to go with consistency. I mean, we saw flashes. Nice. We've got talent. Oh, it's just got to be a consistent production. All right, next question here. What freshman will be the most impactful? That's a good question. That is a tough one. Um, let me let me think here. Can I can I cheat and go with with a transfer? I believe he's a JUCO transfer. Yeah. Isn't he? Yeah. Um, it's I can't remember his last name at the moment. It's Juju. Is this is his nickname? It's not Smith Schuster. Nope, nope, nope. That would be great, though. I would love that. Um, if my computer would work faster, I'd love that too. I'm gonna punt this one to you because oh, I can't even you. name all of our. That's that's right fantastic. I'm, I'm very very happy you did that. I think he's listening. Otherwise, I'm just really. gonna pass on that question. But also, I'll, I'll, okay, I'm gonna take an even uh, different route here. Let's go, Debo Williams. I think Debo can come in. He he made some plays. Now, does that mean he's going to start immediately? Absolutely not. But having that depth chance is really going to be really going to be a big part of um, our defense. 
So, man, we appreciate those questions from our panelists. Uh, we appreciate everybody being here. We appreciate uh, the University of South Carolina Alumni Center for allowing us to, to, to record here today. Uh, we definitely appreciate the Columbia Gamecock Alumni Association chapter. Again, you can follow them at Cola Gamecocks on all their socials. Um, we are the Slightly Above Average Football Podcast. You can follow us at, at SAA Football Fan on Instagram and Twitter. And also, you can find us on any podcast platform that is your preference. We hope everybody has a great night. Join us next week. We will be talking about Clemson. We will be talking about the rest of college football. And we have to, I guess, talk about the NIL deals that have become such a big deal. Have a great night, everyone. We'll see you next week.